your feet this morning as you've given. We're going to get ready to get into the Word of God. And I've got to, to warn you this morning, I, I, uh, I feel this Word in my heart today. And I always do, but there's something special on this today that I want to share. I know God's going to change somebody's life through the Word of the Lord. Uh, open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to finish up our series this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Hebrews writer records these words. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were not made, uh, things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered a more to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he, has taken, uh, he had taken this testimony, he had pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, I pray this morning that you would uh, give us ears to hear. Lord, give us a heart to receive your word today. Let it be fresh in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we leave here today receiving everything that you have for us. Lord, let us not come into this place, into this moment, as if this is just another day, another normal service. But today, let it be special, not only in our hearts, but Lord, let this atmosphere be charged from you. God, I give you the glory and the praise for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Look at somebody, tell them, Good morning. Smile real big for them. Praise God. Well, we're so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, we are finishing up our series, Next Level Living. We're finishing that up and, and completely going. And we've been able to, over the last couple of weeks, really just look at some things. Last week, we looked at at overcoming offense and really letting go and allowing God to heal our hearts in these areas where we may have held on to things that we didn't even re realize or recognize. Uh, today, this morning, however, I want to talk to you about overcoming the fear of failure. Somebody say that with me, overcoming the fear of failure. My assignment in this room today is to kick the spirit of unbelief out of your heart. I believe that there is a room full of world-shaking, world-changers in this place. Does anybody agree with that this morning? I said, I believe that there is a room full of world-shaking, world-changers in this room. How do I know that? Because you're saved. You are washed in the blood of Christ. You've been regenerated. Those of you who have called upon Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And God did not call you to live a mundane life. He called you to live a life of faith and a life of victory. But this morning, we're going to look at the one thing that keeps us from living out our full potential in Christ, and that is unbelief or a spirit of fear. And so, how many of you know that there are dreams and gifts and visions that God gives us on a very personal and individual level? But yet, so many times, people never step into the fullness of what God has called them to do because they're afraid of failure. What if it doesn't work out? What if they don't have all the details? What if 
All the pieces of the puzzle are not together. And I want you to know something that God wants all of us to walk in faith. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to obey His voice. He wants us to go and do anything that He may call us to go and do. But it takes us living a life of adventure because the faith life is an adventurous life. Somebody say amen. The faith life is an adventurous life. I want to talk to you about a man that some of you may know. His name was John Lake. And in the 20th century, John G. Lake was one of the premier um, men that God used in what we would call the healing revivals or the healing movement. John was born of a big family. Uh, most of his family, uh, was a, from a very large family, uh, died of some type of disease. and He had just gotten so tired of watching his family all die. And uh, has anybody ever observed a situation like that where you saw people that were passing or they were suffering with illness and you just felt hopeless and you wished you could do something about it but you just couldn't seem to do anything about it. Well, John was newly saved and reading the scripture and he had been, been spirit filled and, and he began to learn about God's desire and God's will to heal. That Jesus took our sin and our sickness on the cross. That, that, that people could believe that Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever. The problem is, is that John was broke. He didn't have any money. He had the revelation of Christ the healer, but he didn't have any revelation on Christ the provider yet. He just didn't have any resources. Now, around the time of the, the, that his ministry began to grow, something strange happened. This is all historical, by the way. You can go and look it up. Uh, the, the Black Plague, or what they called the bubonic plague began to break out all over South Africa. People were dying like crazy. They weren't able to go in and out of the country. They shut everything down. Well, God began to deal with John about being a missionary to South Africa, specifically to go in and minister to those who were suffering with the plague because at that time it was really considered to kind of be very fatal and not anything anybody could do about it. And uh, he convinced them to, to finally, after a lot of, of, of prayer and intercession and even medical visits, he uh, actually convinced them to let him go. Uh, they actually, they swabbed the plague and put it on his hand, and they watched it die under their microscope. John did that. God did that to convince them to allow him to go. It's all historical. So anyway, John goes uh, or gets ready to go, but he doesn't have any money. All he has is a word from God. And one night while he's asleep, he has a dream. And in his dream, a man appears and asks him, is your name John Lake? And he said, yes, sir, it is. And he gave him an envelope full of money. That envelope in that dream was enough money to pay for his boat fare to leave from the United States to go to South Africa. It was a few days later that John encountered a man that looked just the same as was in his dream. And this man asked him, is your name John Lake? And he said, yes, it is. He said, the Lord has told me to give you this money. So John opened up the envelope and much like in his dream, there was enough money to pay for his fare to leave the United States to go all the way to South Africa. Somebody shout hallelujah with me. When you have a word from God, God can make a way. Now, when he got there, he didn't have a place to stay. 
So when he gets there, I think it was at the train station, somebody said, hey, is your name John Lake? He said, yes, it is. He paid for his train fare. Then it was a little bit later, somebody helped him get a house. John established a ministry there, pushed back the, the plague, and anyway, came back to the United States and, and built one of the biggest ministries in the Washington State area that you've ever seen and was giving Jesus the glory and praise because Christ indeed is the healer. You say, what does that have to do with anything? John could have been discouraged. He could have said, well, I don't have the money to go. He could have said, well, I don't have all the details. But I just want to declare to you today that when God has called you to do something, all you need is a word from God. All you need is a promise from heaven. And if you will begin to walk towards what God has called you to do, the doors will begin to swing open wide and God's provision will fall right in your lap. But nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing happens without faith. I want you to hear me this morning. Nothing happens without faith now before we get too further too much further in this message today i want to tell you something that a, a lot of what people call faith is actually not faith at all see a lot of what people call faith is actually presumption i've seen people get into trouble doing this throughout the years specifically spirit-filled people they get bold and zealous and and I call it, I call it, they jump off the high dive and ask God to catch them. The problem is, is that we have to decide, did God tell us to jump off the high dive? Presumption is, well, because I'm saved, I'm going to exercise what I believe is faith. But it's not really faith, it's presumption. And so I'm going to get myself in a mess. Then I'm going to get mad at God because it didn't work out the way I thought it did. But really it wasn't faith at all, it was presumption. See, Jesus batted 100%. Every person he touched was healed. Every miracle he did was 100%. And the Bible tells us why. You're sitting here, you're saying, yeah, the reason why is because he was God. Well, it's true. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. But the Bible says he humbled himself and took on the form of a human. And he laid down, never ceasing to be God, but he laid down his divinity for a moment and he operated as a man. That's why the Bible says in Acts 10, 38 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. God doesn't need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. The flesh does. So Jesus now is filled with the Holy Spirit, operating like us, and the Bible says he only did what he saw the Father doing. So every person that Jesus prayed for, every person that got up and walked, every storm he rebuked, it wasn't presumption. He didn't just step out and just think that God was just going to be, you know, having to do it. No, he saw God in the spirit God had revealed it to him all the time he spent praying being led by the Holy Spirit God met him on every step of the way you say why are you saying all that this morning pastor because if we're going to learn to walk in faith we've got to understand that we've got to have a word from God we've got to have a word from God I love the way that F.F. Bosworth said it he said faith cannot exist where the will of God is unknown. Faith cannot exist where the will of God is unknown. If, if God has not spoken to us 
it's hard to have faith. But when God has revealed his counsel to us, when he's told us to go in a direction, when he's told us to minister a certain way, when he's given us a word from heaven, we can rest assured that his promise and his power will meet us on every single front. But we have to have faith. Faith is an action word. Faith is an action word. Um, you see, a lot of people are waiting on God. But what if I told you that you're not really waiting on God? What if I told you God is waiting on you? Now understand, maybe you're waiting on God if he hasn't spoken to you. But this morning, I am preaching to those of you in this crowd today who are sitting on dreams you're sitting on callings. You're sitting on instructions that God gave you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, because you're waiting on God to drop something out of the sky. Can I tell you something? God already gave you his word on it. If you just get up and start moving, he'll order the steps and he'll bring it to pass. I feel faith in this room this morning. I was talking to a young man that that was in our church's youth ministry when I was pastoring in Louisiana this last couple of weeks. And he was telling me, um, man, I, I feel called to ministry. And I'm miserable because I'm not doing what God has called me to do. And I'm asking him, well, what, what, what's stopping you from fulfilling the call of God on your life? Here's what he said. My fear is not being able to make it. In other words... He has the fear of failure. Now, I want you to know something. I understand where he's coming from. Because here's what, here's what his conversation to me. He said, I, I have a good job. I make good money. I'm guaranteed this, that, and the other. And I'm just concerned. He didn't use the word afraid. He said, I'm concerned that I'm not going to be able to make it. Here's what I told him. At some point, if you're truly called of God, you're going to have to jump if God has truly called you. Anybody in this room who's ever done something for God understands the language in which I'm speaking. Oftentimes, we want everything pre-made, prefabricated, right? I want you to know faith is not like buying a prefabricated home. You know, we, we get these modular homes and they're built in factories and they're all prefabricated. But with God, it's not like that. With our faith, it, it's, it's, it's literally God speaks it into existence from nothing. And we watch it framed. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, in our passage, by this we know that God framed the world by his words. As Jesus, in the beginning with God, created the world, he says, and God said, and there was, and God said, and there was. He literally spoke what the Father had already determined into existence. Now, what I'm speaking this morning is not some new age mumbo jumbo maybe that you've heard before, but perhaps this morning a new perspective is this. Faith is acting when God has revealed that which he wants us to do. Now, this young man has a call of God on his life. There's no doubt about it. But until he takes a step of faith, 
and say, God, you called me, you have to provide for me. Until he walks through that door, he'll never fulfill the totality of what God has spoken into his life. You better hear me this morning. Faith requires obedience. Somebody say obedience. Faith requires obedience. Faith doesn't always make sense. It's not always the textbook answer. But yet faith, sometimes God requires it of us so that we can prove how big he really is in our lives. In fact, I want to say this. If the dream, the desire, the call that God has placed in your heart is big enough Rather, let me say it this way. If it's little enough that you can do it yourself, it requires no faith. See, some of you need to start thinking bigger. Your vision is too small. Your vision for your life is this big when God's vision for your life is this big. Some of you, your vision for your business is this big. But God has a vision that's this big. Let me get personal. Some of your vision for your marriage is this big. Based on past experiences. But God's vision for your marriage is this big. You see, we serve a God whom the scripture says is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Then John 10.10 tells us about that thief that steals, kills, and destroys, but Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Church, let me tell you, God has called you and me to live the abundant life that Jesus has purchased and provided for in a life of faith. I want to ask you the question this morning. When you look at your life, do you see an abundant life or do you see a life of defeat? I want you to know something, that whether you answer that question right or wrong, today God can turn that around for you. He wants to overcome in your life the fear of failure. You see, this is called next level living. Next level. Because listen, you've not really lived until you've overcome the fear of failure. And I'll say this, you've not really lived until you've overcame the fear of death. God has called us to risky, radical faith. Something that, in the natural, drives all of us a little bit crazy. In our text, in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer is recording great acts of faith from God's people. Hebrews 11 and 12 go on to tell us about the testimonies of patriarchs of our faith and even unnamed people who died not having received the promise, but they lived in faith, trusting in God, awaiting the Messiah, trusting that God would do what he said he would do. But Hebrews 11 gives us some significant things. Let's look at it together one more time. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that those things which are seen were made of things which are 
uh, were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, though which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and though he, it being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Then I want you to notice this verse, that, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This morning, I want to start just by looking at the simple definition, number one, the definition of faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible uses two words. The Bible uses the word hope, and the Bible uses the word faith. They are not the same. They are related, but they are not the same. You see, hope, hope is, is, a, is, an, is an expectation of the heart. You know, if, my, if somebody that I love is visiting in town, and we've not spoken, I can hope that they come and see me. I'm just hoping. You know, it would be nice. I, I don't really know if it'll happen, but I'm hoping that it will. Faith is the opposite. Faith is the phone call that says we are 10 minutes away. Get ready, we'll be there in a minute. Then you move from hope to faith because now you're going from hopeful thinking and a wishful anticipation to now you are knowing without a shadow of a doubt company is within moments from being in your house. That's the difference between hope and faith. And the Bible says God wants us to have faith and it's impossible for us to please him without faith. The Bible says it is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love the way the Amplified Bible portrays it. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the title deed, the confirmation. Now, how many of you have ever stayed in a hotel before? Raise your hand. All right. Whether you do it online or you call, you make a reservation number. Jose manages a hotel. Probably gives people confirmation numbers every day. That confirmation number is proof that a room exists with your name on it. Right? Uh, if you go to the front desk and you have any trouble at all, they're going to ask you, what is the confirmation number? And they're going to pull up that confirmation number and they are going to say, well, thank you, Mr. Velez. What can we do for you? When you buy a car, you get a title. The title is not the car. You can't drive the title. You can't put gas in the title. You can't even put insurance on the title. But yet, the title is proof that the car exists. Hello? It's proof that it was made, manufactured. It's proof that it was owned. The, the title is proof that it exists. And so our faith is our hopeful expectation in what God has said in His Word. Folks, you need to hear me this morning. You need more faith food. Why is the church defeated? 
Why are so many people going through the same things like the Israelites circling the same mountain over and over and over again, over and over and over again? I can tell you why. Romans 10, 17 says, so now then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can I just be a little honest with you? Most of the church has more CNN, more uh, WebMD, come on. Most of the church has more of the world's information and knowledge than we do the word. When you eat the word of God in your soul, in your spirit, it becomes faith to us. Then when you get in relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit fills you and he starts speaking to us in a way that complements the scripture, never contradicts it, but more on a personal way. And he begins to speak to us and he, he, he gives us direction in our life. It produces faith. I want to look at some examples of faith in the scripture this morning. In our chapter in Hebrews 11... I want you to look at this, it says, by, by faith, Abel offered at sacrifice. By faith, Enoch walked with God. Then he says, for without faith, in verse 6, it is impossible to please God. But those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The second thing I want to talk to you about this morning are examples of faith that we see right here. This is so important. First of all, the Bible says, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. I want you to see that in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, the children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the Bible says that Cain offered God what he wanted to offer him. Just a little bit of what he had. The Bible says that Abel, by faith, gave God the best portion by faith, he gave him the first fruits. Uh, by, first he gave, uh, by, by faith, he gave him the first sacrifice. And the Bible said God accounted to him being righteous in that moment. The Bible says by faith, Enoch walked with God. And it came a point to where God raptured him. He took him up and he did not taste death. Why? Because God had accounted him righteous. I love this. The Bible says, if you go a little bit further in uh, Hebrews, um, actually, uh, uh, number 11, and you go a little bit further, I don't have these on the screen, but just track along with me in your Bible. Hebrews 11, verse 7 says, For by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, preparing an ark for the saving of his household, by which the condemned the world, uh, which uh, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Noah built a boat. God had spoken to him. Noah, it's about to rain. I'm about to judge the earth. The Bible said when God looked throughout all the earth, he found nobody that was righteous except for Noah. And so God gave him instructions of how to build an ark. He said, Noah, it's going to rain. Church, I need you to know that up until this time, it had never rained before. The Bible said that, that the, the, the fountains of the earth were broken up and, and dew covered the earth. We, they had never saw droplets coming from the sky. It was a foreign concept. Why would you need a boat? It's never flooded before. The Bible says Noah, faithful Noah, was a preacher of righteousness. He looked crazy 
to everybody else. I can imagine as he swung that hammer and people walked by, they mocked him. They scoffed him. They probably said, man, this guy's a nut. He's crazy. What has happened to him? The Bible says that when Noah completed that ark, him, his wife, Ham, Sham, Japheth, their wives, the animals two by two got in the ark. And the Bible says by faith he built an ark for the saving of his soul. What am I trying to say, my friend? That ark would not have built itself. Noah had to get a hammer. Noah had to get some nails. Noah had to get some wood. He had to be willing to make a fool of himself in front of the whole world. But I'm glad on judgment day. Noah, I bet he was glad that he obeyed God I bet he was glad that he built an ark for the saving of his family see some of you will never accomplish what God has called you to do because you're too fearful to look foolish Bible goes a little further verse number 8 says by faith Abraham he obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. My God. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Their, their heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations. Whose builder and maker was God. The Bible tells us about faithful Abram or Abraham. The father of our faith. He was the son of an idol maker. He lived in a, in a place that was not, not godly. History tells us that, that the, the region from which he lived was full of idolatry. And one day the God of, 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 uh, of our forefathers appeared to him and said, Abram, I, I'm calling you to leave your father's house. Leave your family. And I want you to go to a land where I will show you. The Bible says he went and told Sarah, his wife, they packed their bags and, and Lot hitchhiked with them and they went to a place that they did not know. This man became the father of our faith. Now, let me tell you about Abraham. Abraham got up and he got to moving. Now, I'm going to shock some of you, but here's the difference between us and Abraham. If it were us, we would have said, God, I'm not moving until you tell me where we're going. God, I'm not moving until you tell me how much it pays. God, I'm not moving until you tell me what the end is going to look like. But I want you to know, even though God was speaking to Abraham in the moment, God could have told him everything, but he didn't. And can I tell you why God doesn't tell you everything? Because some of you could stop and testify right now in your life, where you are at this moment in time, that if God had showed you everything that you would have gone through to this point since the moment you said yes, you may not have said yes. But in the same moment, some of you in this room would also testify that everything I've gone through has made me who I am. It's made me stronger. It's developed my integrity. It's developed my character. And though it was hard, I wouldn't change a single thing. 
God didn't tell him everything. He said, Abram, I want you to get up. I want you to go to a place and I'll show you. Then the Bible goes a little further. Are y'all okay this morning? Hebrews 11, 11 says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child. And when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born a many of the stars in the sky and the multitude, immeasurable as the sand which is in the seashore. Abraham not only moved and went to where God told him to go, but his wife was barren and Abram was old. But yet God spoke to Abram on the journey, said, son, get up and go outside. It was the middle of the night. Look up at the sun or at the, at the moon and the stars. Look down at the seashores and, and all of the sand that's there. And he said, the, the innumerable stars and the innumerable seashore, the sand, the very grain, crystals of grain of sand, you will not be able to count your descendants. Abram says, how's this going to happen? I only have no heir in my house, but Eleazar the servant and, and all of these things. And God says, I'm going to give you a child. You want to see grace in the Old Testament? Abram and Sarah got tired of waiting on the Lord. Anybody ever got tired of waiting on God? So you try to make it happen? Learn from Abram and Sarah. It's not a good thing. But I'm glad that God has mercy. I'm glad that when you get off the path, He can put you back on the path. And the Bible says, by faith, she received strength to receive a child. And one day, she, Abram came home from whatever he was doing and, and came in the tent. And, said, and Sarah said, I got something to tell you. He said, what is it? She said, I'm pregnant. By faith. By faith. By faith. Somebody say, by faith. Now, here's what we can do. We can look at this chapter, and we can say, well, praise God, bless the Lord, that's great. We can preach about it, we can let it inspire us, or we can endeavor to live our lives so that our stories are worthy enough for God to put in his book. Now listen, Scripture's done being written, but the Bible says God's recording books in heaven about our life. When we get up there to judgment one day, it's not just the Lamb's book of life. The Bible says all of the books are open. Psalm mentions one, the book of remembrance. There's different books in heaven where God's recording our life. David said it like this, your days, your very days are numbered and recorded in God's book. And I know we've read about by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah. But I, you know what? I want to live my life. I want to live my life that when I get to heaven and God opens the book, he says, by faith Brad Smith, by faith Seth Cash, by faith Darren Zollinger, by faith you and you, by faith. I want to live my life worthy of living a life of faith. I want God to open up the books of heaven and say, by faith, Woodward First Assembly. By faith, your family. But folks, all of that is wishful thinking. 
if we don't move. See, we need to trust God personally in our faith. In our families, we've got to trust Him. We've got to trust God with our lives. We've got to trust God with our children. We've got to trust God with our finances. Some of you got big dreams in your heart. How is God going to trust you with a million-dollar dream and He can't trust you to tithe? How is God going to trust you to shake a nation if you can't give faithfully to those who are already doing the work? Come on, how is God going to trust you with a business if you can't even get to work on time? And when you get there, you don't work. And you leave early. Come on, somebody. Come on, faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. I want to know this morning, how many people in this room want to live their life to where God looks down from heaven and he sees faith? That's what I want to see. I want to see that. So I'm talking to you about next level living. See, God, God is trying to kick some of you right now out of your comfort zones. Because the cemetery is not only sad because our loved ones are buried there, it's sad because of all the uncompleted, unfinished, undeveloped, unbirthed dreams and visions that God has put in people's hearts. But so many people don't do it because they're afraid to fail. Let me tell you something about failure. Failure is not falling. Failure is refusing to get back up. I read in Proverbs this week, a righteous man falls seven times, but he keeps on getting back up. Listen, I'm telling you, if you look at the Bible and some of the people that God used, like Peter, like David, like Solomon, like Abraham, like Moses, it's not that they never messed up. It's that they never quit. Hallelujah. We've got great examples of faith. I could reach into modern history and show you how God uses people. It's amazing. Hallelujah. The third thing this morning. We looked at the definition of faith. We looked at the examples of faith. But number three, I want to talk to you about the necessity of faith. The necessity of faith. Plainly put, Hebrews 11.6 says this, For without faith, it is impossible. He didn't say it's hard. He didn't say it's unlikely. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe, first, that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith is a necessity. Make no mistake about it. You must have faith to please God. Now, interesting enough, I don't have time to teach on it this morning. One time Jesus came to his disciples. They were panicked in the middle of a storm, right? They're freaked out. Jesus has got his feet kicked up, got his head put on a pillow. He's taking a nap. They see the winds and the waves are boisterous. They're going to the other side of Gadara, right, where they, Jesus delivers the man in Mark 5. And they wake him up and they say, Master, we're all perishing. Jesus gets up, rebukes the storm, then he says what? Why is it that you have no faith? So the disciples at that moment says they have no faith. Then there's another place in Scripture 
where Jesus says, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. No faith. Why is it you have no faith? And O ye of little faith. Then there's another place where the Bible says, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. He marveled at their faith. What am I trying to say? If your faith in God's word over your life is not where it needs to be, I've got great news. It can grow. It can grow. You don't have to be stuck at the same level you've always been, but you can trust God to do bigger things. But faith is of a necessity. Faith is not blind. It's not presumptuously doing things and then asking God for mercy later, although I'm thankful that he does have mercy. I don't know if God's ever rescued you with a parachute of grace, but he has me. But that's not how we're supposed to live. Faith is not blind. However, I need everybody to pull your feet in real quick. This is the place where if you had steel-toed boots, you should have worn them. This is important. Sometimes we actually mask our unbelief and we make it sound spiritual and we call it things like wisdom. Call it wisdom. What does that mean? Well, it means God's already spoken to us to do something. Okay? He's already put it in our heart. He's already laid out a path. He's already laid out some provision. But then you say, ah, I don't think we should do that. It's just really not wisdom to do that right now. Well, how about we just call it what it is? Amen? I see that that went over like a lead, like a, like a lead balloon on a submarine. That didn't, just didn't go real well at all. What if we just call it what it is? It's unbelief, masked in religiosity. Just don't think it's wisdom. Here's my question for you. When's the right time? This is a word for somebody. When's the right time for you to start it? God already gave you a little bit for you to see. Hey, I'm with you. But when's the right time to start it? Does he have to put it all together for you? That's not how faith works. God gives you a little bit. And you start moving. And then it opens up to you. If you ask anybody who's ever done anything great, they didn't do it without taking risks. Amen? Somebody ought to come play so I sound spiritual right now. What I'm preaching this morning is passionate. What I'm preaching this morning is, is bold. But I'm telling you the truth. If now's not the time, when? If you're not the person, then who? Listen, we all have to operate in faith. 
Your family has to operate in faith. Your business has to operate in faith. Listen, our church has to operate in faith. You know how? We have no control on whether you're coming every week or not. That's between you and God. We have no control what you give every week. That's between you and God. But if we wait till we have a formula to do what God has called us to do, we ain't never going to do it because people are crazy. They're crazy in the church. They're crazy in your family. They're crazy on your job. The only thing that is certain is our trust in God and faith in His Word. Let me just close with this thought. Elijah the prophet was at a brook after he had ran. He was beside this brook and the, God told him, he said, I'm going to go to this place. He said, and I'm going to feed you there. And the Bible says that every morning, every evening, God brought food from the ravens. The ravens came and brought the food to the prophet of God. So he drank the water from the brook. He ate the food from the ravens that they brought, which by the way, ravens are unclean birds. The law, the, the Talmud and the Torah both tell us Jews are not to have anything to do, God's people, Israelites, not to have anything to do with, they can't eat them, they can't touch them, they're unclean birds, right? But isn't it interesting, God used an unclean source to provide for the man of God? But, like many of us, we get too reliant on sources of provision. And we start thinking, this is it, God, this is how you're always going to provide for me. The problem is, God needed Elijah to go and encourage a widow woman who was in a famine and her and her son was about to die. So guess what God had to do? God had to inconvenience the prophet to get him to move. The only reason Elijah moved is because his source dried up. And then he started seeking God. Okay, what do you want me to do? I want you to go to Zarephath, and there you're going to find a woman. He gets there. What happens? There's a woman at the gate of the city picking up sticks. And me and my son are about to eat our last meal, and we're going to die. And Elijah perks up. He says, make me a cake first. Most of us would have stoned that prophet. We would have put him on Wu-Town Review. Who does that preacher think he is telling that woman to give him something first? But God was trying to teach the prophet something, and God was also trying to teach the woman something. I'm your source. I'm your source. And folks, I just believe today that there are people in this room that God has called you to something, and yet you just have this fear of failing. And I want you to know, first of all, you got to have faith. you got to have faith to please God. You say, well, what if it doesn't work out? Well, at least it won't work out with you having faith. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Pastor. Read the rest of Hebrews 11. The Bible says many of those people died in faith. They never received the promise. 
They thought Jesus was returning in their day. Talking about the people in the days of Elijah. Elijah prophesied about the Messiah. They, they lived their life in expectation. Listen, they weren't not in faith because they didn't see it. Their heart posture was in faith. And they died not receiving the promise. But here's what the Bible says about those people. Everybody stand with me. Here's what the Bible says about those people. About those who were pulled in two by horses and chariots. Those who were sawed in half. Those who were martyred. Women who lost their children. Here's what the Bible says about those people. It says the world was not even worthy of them. Folks, let me tell you, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. God's called us to be faith people. In just a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to pray with me, and then I'm going I'm to ask something really bold today. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to encourage you today. But before we do, I want to talk about another kind of...